Can I get a double pizza burger, chili fries with cheese, and a uh, large chocolate milkshake? I don't know, no matter what I eat, my weight just seems to stay the same. So I just figure, what the hell, I'm going to eat what I want. Okay, how many people say that to themselves? You know, I, I try to lose weight, I eat my salads, and they don't mention that they eat the bread that comes with the salad, and they have butter on the bread, and they put lots of salad dressing on, and then they congratulate themselves for having eaten a salad for lunch, so they have a nice piece of chocolate cake, which they don't count. The types of mental tricks you play with yourself if you're trying to lose weight, and then, then you just shake your hands and say, well, I guess it's just me, I can't lose weight because I tried, and it's not that you can't lose weight in many cases. It's just that you don't have the right methods. Uh, what you want to do is identify what are called permission-giving beliefs. And those are the things that you say to yourself that self-sabotage. For example, well, whatever I eat, I still stay the same weight, so what the heck, I'll eat whatever I want. That's called a permission-giving belief because it allows you to eat whatever you want. And Basically, the problem this person's having, this isn't shallow hell, but if I were to work with a person that, that comes in like this, I would say that they need to, they basically have a motivation problem. They need to look at their goal. What is their goal? Why do they want to lose weight? What would they look like 30 pounds thinner or 50 pounds thinner, in some cases 150 pounds thinner? Can they imagine themselves? How badly do they want that? If they say 100% and they are psyched and motivated, then they are closer to reaching what's called commitment, when you're committed to your goal and you're moving forward and it doesn't feel like a daily struggle anymore. So that's one of the many things you can call me about. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner. We can talk about weight loss. We can talk about problems with your kids or marital problems. So I have written a book on romance with another author, Dr. Locke, who you'll hear later in the show. We'll be talking about stress and coping then. Uh, but you can call me with all sorts of issues. My number is toll-free 1-877-DR-KENNER. That's toll-free 1-877-DR-K-E-N-N-E-R, Dr. Kenner, D-R-K-E-N-N-E-R. Um, of course, I'm a clinical psychologist, so you can ask me any questions that you would ask a counselor or a therapist. Now, see what you think about this situation. Dear Dr. Kenner, my husband John and I have been married for four years now, a second marriage for both of us. He has five kids, and I have two of my own. I don't know what's happened to my 19-year-old. So she's got two kids. One of them is 19, year old, 19 years old. His name is Andy. Suddenly he tells me that I should have thought about my two kids before remarrying. I did think of my kids but I wanted to be happy also. My son wonders why I stayed married to John with the way he speaks to me at times. I wonder too because my husband can say some hateful things. He is sick a lot too. My son is full of rage and he wants to talk about it. I told him he needs to get professional help. He told me that when my husband returns from being on the road, he will drop kick him and punch him in the face and not even worry about going to jail. What's wrong with my son? What should I do? Melinda. 
Melinda, when I first heard you speaking about your marriage and wanting to get remarried and you have a right to be married, happy too, and you did think about your kids, I had a lot of empathy for you. But as you continued talking and you, I started to get a picture or an image of what John is like, this man you married, a guy who does say hateful things to you and it's driving your son crazy. And maybe he's not too good for the kids. Maybe, I don't know how old your other child is, but maybe he is isn't good and he's sick a lot and he's on the road and I'm wondering what you've bought into. So sometimes kids have eyes for parents and they can exaggerate it just to get your attention. Notice you're not even wanting to listen to your son. You're wanting him to get professional help. You're saying, how many kids when they're troubled want to talk about things. Normally they bottle up and the parents are saying, oh, if only my daughter would tell me what's on her mind or if only my son would speak to me. And here your son's saying he wants to speak to you. He wants to talk about his rage, why he's so angry with John, your husband, his stepdad. And you're telling him, hey, you're brushing him away. Go get some professional help. I would embrace that instead. You know, I, I may be wrong. John may be a very nice man, and he rarely loses it. But when he does, maybe once every year, he says he drops an F-bomb or something. And, you know, it drives your son crazy. Maybe your son is very unrealistic here. But it could be that your son is right on the money that he has eyes for you and he's trying to shake you and wake you up and by saying he wants to drop kick him and punch him it's more that he wants to shake you up and say take a closer look mom don't close your eyes don't evade don't pretend that nothing's going on when there's a huge elephant in the middle of the room and it's John and so what you can what I suggest that you do is sit down first and on paper name all the benefits of being married to John. And then look at the quality of those benefits. If it's because you need safety and security and you don't want to shovel your own walk in the winter or something, then those aren't reasons to stay with a man who could be an abusive man, verbally or physically. If if the then um, if it's significant things, if they are, uh, if he's has a wonderful character, he's got integrity, he's ambitious, he's got a good job, he's very good to my kids, including John. Then you made a good decision, but then you need to deal with John. Then write down all the disadvantages for being married to John. What are they? You can shred these papers so John never finds them, but put them on paper so that you can get some clarity into what decisions you want to make. If you uh, find yourself, as you're listening to me, resisting doing this, that's a problem. Why would you not want to evaluate the man you married? And then in terms of your son, I would get some counseling with him. I would have um, some mother-son sessions where you allow him to vent, but it gives you the safety of being, both of you, the safety of being with a counselor so things won't get out of hand. So I hope that helps. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenny. You're listening to The Rational Basis of Happiness. And earlier today, I was reading an article, it's an older article, about the placebo effect. And, you know, my mother had a knee operation and she said to herself, you know, I've got a long ways to go to recover. I've got a long ways to go to recover. Well, what does that do to her psychologically? Does that help her move forward? What if she said to herself, 
you know, I've come a long ways already, which she has. She was wanting, she was in excruciating pain right after the knee operation. And now she's able to walk. She said, you know, I wasn't supposed to, but I walked without my walker yesterday. She had a darling little nurse that kept saying to her, every time my mother will say, well, I still have a long way to go. And she goes, I don't want to hear that anymore. I want to hear that you're, that you're getting better and you've come a long way. And my mother would say, yes, yes, you're right. And then she'd go right back to saying, I've got a long way to go. So in this article that I mentioned, uh, this is, in fact, you can think the pain away. The study shows the, the physical placebo, uh, to talk about the placebo effect. What we tell ourselves can activate, or they're, they're beginning to show that it, that it can activate an endogenous opioid, op, opioid system in your brain. Um, and that can release some painkillers. So it's good to, it's not just all in your head. It's actually your thoughts affecting a neurochemical system in your body that's releasing some endogenous, meaning uh, you produce it yourself, uh, some endogenous chemicals that are pain reducers. That, and so uh, you, don't, you do want to think on the bright side of things, so the glass half will. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner, and you're listening to The Rational Basis of Happiness. And coming up, we're going to be talking about stress and coping with Dr. Ed Locke. And I've got an email about the woman who's having problems with her husband's buddy. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner. Your looks matter. They convey your attitude toward yourself. You can make two errors when it comes to your looks. You can believe that looks are everything and spend your life in front of a mirror trying to look just right. Or you can disregard or deliberately ignore your appearance or even intentionally make yourself look unappealing. You are neither a body without a mind nor a mind without a body. But both of those errors say something about your evaluation of yourself and potential Potential partners don't fall in love with a mindless body or a disembodied mind. They fall in love with you, an integrated person with a body directed by your mind. How you take care of yourself and present yourself physically says a lot to a prospective romantic partner as well as to a long-term partner. You can download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com and you can buy the book at amazon.com.